Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sheila Shoiga and welcome to Ready to Be Real Conversations, the podcast series where I chat to people of all walks of life. Some names you'll recognise, others you might not. But my hope is that these conversations will at times inspire, challenge, educate, comfort or simply entertain you. In this episode, I speak to the moneyless man, Mark Boyle. I realised, for example, when I moved there first, I lived in the farmhouse that is part of the small holding. Um, but I realised it was just hidden buttons. You know, I just I'd come down and press buttons, things would come on. Um, I wasn't going out at night. Uh, if I needed to pee in the middle of the night, I go to the toilet. Right. And I, I realised after a year I hadn't seen the night sky for a while, you know. So now okay. I decided to not. I, I decided to design my cabin so that it would force me to go outside, have a pee, and then you go out and you see the Milky Way, you know, mm. three in the morning, like when you, when you can't sleep for some reason, you know. And, um, and that was important for me at that point. Yeah. I think I think our houses are designed these days. We never have to leave them. Point. That kind of cuts us off, I think, a lot from the natural process of the things. You know? Originally from Donegal, Mark made a life-changing decision to give up money entirely in 2008, and he lived completely without it for three years. He's the author of four books, including The Moneyless Man and The Way Home, Tales from a Life Without Technology. And this conversation is a fascinating insight into his life and the reasons why he decided on such a radical life change. We talk about living sustainably and in tune with the seasons and why he decided to get a vasectomy when he was only 30. It's an episode that'll make you think about your own life and perhaps encourage us all to make some positive changes. Mark, bring us back to 2008 when you decided to conduct an experiment. Yeah, um, I was working in an organic, uh, I was managing an organic business at the time, a food business, and i um, for various reasons that we may or may not go into, I decided to give up money. Um, and about no, go on, go into it. <laughs> well, you can come at it from any angle, really. You know, yeah. it's, 
you could come at it from an economic perspective, a uh, um, cultural and social perspective, a very personal perspective too, you know, um, in terms of my relationship with money. and my How would it have been before? Um, well, I guess I worked a very conventional job. Um, I was making money, I was spending lots of money. Um, I was finding I didn't really have a relationship with much of the world around me. Um, you know, you're, you, like, closely economics, and the one thing that became quite apparent to me was that you, in the kind of industrial model we have today, you, you do one job, uh, you get your money for that, and then you buy in all your other needs. Mm. Um, and there was something about that that didn't feel quite right to me, like to have no relationship with all the other parts of your life in a direct way. Yeah. Um, and so I wanted to have a direct relationship with things. So the more connected you were to the money aspect of your life, the more disconnected you were from everything else. Exactly. So people think I give up money at the time, and I did. But like, I think we're always giving up something. And what I was giving up at the time was, before that, was a deep connection with the rest of life. Mm. So you've got to make choices. And I decided that I actually want to give up money and kind of, and for the first time in my life, have a proper full connection with everything else, you know. Because when you take out the money element... Um, like I had no bank account to give up, like close the bank account, give away all my money. Give you away just gave it stuff, away? Give away everything, yeah. Um, yeah. I had a houseboat at the time in Bristol um, and just give away everything and live day by day. And it was incredible. Like It sounds satisfying to be giving away because it always feels good to give, but also really scary. The first two or three months were, it was like on an emotional level, you had no security. Right. You know, so like I was literally living day by day. Yeah. Like if anything went wrong, like you didn't feel like you could just get yourself out of it. Um, and to kind of compound the problem, I was, I kind of, no, I didn't intend to do it publicly, but it went public pretty quick because of the kind of the context at the time um, in terms of the, the economic situation. So there was a lot of, pre- like there was a lot of eyes watching me. You know, people were sending out undercover uh, reporters and stuff to see if I was actually doing it and that kind of stuff. Okay, is he the real deal? Yeah, yeah. Because as you said, like at the time, you know, people were really suffering financially. Mm. They were, in, and, and in a way, you know, things go in cycles. We're here now, you know, speaking beginning of October 2022 and people again are feeling a lot of financial pressure because the cost of living has gone through the roof and there's all of that narrative happening at the moment. Um so yeah, so all eyes were on you because this is a guy who is basically, you know, rejecting normal air quotes society. Yeah, yeah, and it's as you said, these things go in ten year cycles. You know, we're now back kind of to a similar place again. So yeah, so like to compound the insecurity of even not having cash, like everyone, I I said I was going to do it for a year first, um, and like you know after the first couple of weeks, it was like this is actually quite difficult, you know, to yeah. on an emotional level. Because I lived all my life with money, like everyone else has, you know. Um, but something really... Yeah, like, how, how 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 does it happen? Like, how can you live? You know, I was only thinking about it because I was driving up from Galway, you know, and I was thinking about sitting down to have this conversation with you. And everything I did from the second I got in behind the wheel of, of my car required money for me to be here. Yeah. To chat to you. And whereas for you, you live a completely different life to me. Yeah, yeah, you have to rethink everything, you know, back to basics. Um, like, I, I could go into the practicalities of, um, yeah, like I wrote a book on the practicalities. Yeah. Um, I actually wrote two books on, well, one was on a story of, of, of the life. Of the experience, yeah. kind of more like if anyone wants to do it, um, 
And this is a how-to. Yeah, and so obviously we don't have time to go in. Like, there's a million things. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. That kind of made up life then, but um, I I think like the the core things where I lived on a um on a bit of land between Bristol and Bath, kind of southwest of England, um, and I kind of grew all my own food there, um, foraged food from the wild, um, if I went into the city, which I did the odd time, um, I'd go bin diving, um, yeah, that kind of stuff, which I don't really recommend to be honest these days, you know. Um, it's not a healthy diet. Like it's not something I can kind of advocate. Um, but I, but you did it because you needed to. Yeah, because that's how I got food in the city. You know, it's kind of like a foraging, like a kind of urban foraging in some ways. You know. Yeah. Um, and then and and then like sometimes it'll be not exactly barter, but like I'd just be doing some work with people, and you get fed that way. Um, but it was mostly growing my own food and um and well well food foraging. But it's it sounds like when when it comes to it because you know you're a very well educated man you're clearly a very intelligent man, um. But you do you spend a huge amount of of daylight hours in, maybe survival mode is too strong a term, but that you're going from meal to meal, in a situation like that where you're in a city and you have to, hmm. you have to um, you know forage for your food as hmm. you said, that sounds like it's it you're spending a lot of energy on just getting your meal. Yeah. I think at the start it was definitely like that. Um, I think, like anything, you build, you you get a sense of rhythm after a while. Okay, it gets easier. Yeah, it gets easier, a lot easier. Like by the time I got three or four months into the year, the first year, I knew exactly what I was doing. You know, and the food and the and all my food was growing at the time. Um, like the food was starting to come up. So, like at at one point, it was just plentiful. You know, mm. like food was no longer a problem. Um, I think it's just like it's just getting different, getting a different rhythm to life, getting into a different way of being, um, and then it became like the most normal thing in the world. After, um, like by six months in, it was like just like second nature, you know, yeah, or even first nature, you could argue. Um, I'm picturing the fact that you know, springtime into the summer, that you know all your fruits and vegetables have are in season, so you have an abundance. But then as the, the seasons change, the weather's change, you're coming into autumn, winter, you know, the land is hard and cold and it's you're you're not getting that. So it's it's I would imagine there's it's far more hardship in the colder months than there is in the summertime. Yeah, I suppose um actually like you know, around December it's actually not bad. It's Isn't more it? like it's more um February, March, what you used to call the hungry gap. Um that's when you're down to like kale and like I, I go fishing as well, so um, and I store potatoes over the winter, okay. so it's kind of like come, come like middle of March. It's mostly potatoes, kale, fish. That's the kind of dinner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, but I think that's that. I think that's healthy actually to understand. You can't have everything you want all of the time. Like we're in this culture now where we expect everything at our fingertips, with very little effort. Everything, everything laid on for us, you know. Mm. And it's not a very, it's. I don't think it's a very healthy mindset to get into, you know. Um, and I think it's actually good for us to understand a little bit of like, a wee bit of hardship every now and again, you know. Yeah. Even just once a year for a few weeks, you know, it makes the, it makes a time where you've got a good harvest seem even better. Like everything, everything's kind of defined by the opposite. Yeah. In some ways, you know, you can't really experience full joy if you haven't experienced a bit of pain. You know, you can't really um, appreciate. A wonderful meal, if you've had, unless you've had to skip one mm. every now and again. So, and then I suppose you're living in tune with nature when you're eating seasonally. 
You know, you're doing what most nutritionists will advocate that you should, yeah. we should, you know, eating according to the seasons is actually really good for our, you know, our bodies. Exactly. Like it's what, what we need is there for us at the time we need it, you know, like around this time of year, a lot of berries were out, you know, up until very recently. Yeah. That's what we need around harvest time. Like we need energy, you know, like I get hay fever um, around May mm. and that's exactly the time when plantain comes out, which is um, like it's a weed that grows in, through the, c- the cracks of pavements and stuff. And yeah. I've told loads of people about it since. Right. And it, every one of them says completely gets rid of it. Okay. Because so, um, I've heard the honey thing where if you eat your local honey, that is a natural yeah, I've, I've not had any luck with that person. Okay, yeah. okay, I think it okay. depends when you're allergic to, like, what, yeah. you know, if it's grass, and I, I actually think it's that's more one of the myths. Of okay, is it? Fever, I think interesting, so, yeah, yeah. interesting. Like, okay, it goes around the whole time, but like, I don't like think many people have actually done it. Right, and um, it's just one of those things that we talk about, okay. uh, like plantain, guaranteed greater plantain, um, brilliant. Like, and how do you consume it? I, I personally, because I'm. I, you know, I'm not. I'm not too worried. I just eat, eat stuff. It. Yeah. But like most people, will make a tea. Yeah. If you're making a tea, leave it for about six hours, okay. and and then just drink a cold river. Mm. Um, you get the most out of it. But eating it's the best way. Um, right. So, yeah. So anyway, we're still back in 2008 when you are at the early days. So you, as you said, it was a very emotionally draining to get used to this new way of living. Um, what And I know there were plenty of benefits and you've spoken very openly about that, but what were the downsides initially? What what were the bits that you really struggled to come to terms with? Um, like the, As I said, the first one was the insecurity of just not having um, anything to fall back on. Yeah. Um, apart from that, there's like, there's just so, like I came from a very normal background. You know, I grew up in Donegal. Um, had a very normal upbringing, um, very normal job, you know, and you have all these kind of social expectations. Yeah. What's um, your family make of the way you live your life? Um, I'm very, very lucky in that they're, I've got um, a very accepting mum and dad, you know, like they're, as long as I'm happy. Yeah, great. They're happy. Um, so I feel very blessed with them. Um, I think like, we didn't really speak too much about it at the time. Um, like, uh, I thought they were very, like, they were very, very cool with it. Mm. I kind of found out at one point because I, I used to write um, a column for the Guardian at the time, and um, and obviously online columns, as we know, get ton of a ton of abuse. But like I, I wasn't following it. I was just writing my column and you know moving Oblivious on. Oblivious to what was being written. Yeah. Yeah, and like and then so sometimes I speak to mom. I go back home and mom would be asking me, "Are you like, are you sure you're okay?" You know. I'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm grand. Yeah. Like, but are, are you sure? And okay. It came out eventually that she was really upset that like everyone was giving me so much abuse. So and were you getting a lot of abuse? Well, obviously, as you said, you weren't aware of it. But after the fact, there was. Apparently, yeah, yeah. Like, but look, that's the the world of online online stuff. You know, yeah, and yeah, to be yeah, honest, yeah. I wouldn't care. Anyway. I exactly. So it's like you know, yeah. If you got caught up in that stuff. Yeah, and to be honest, the majority of people, I'm sure. I, I, I speak for a lot of people and say like a lot of people admire what you're doing and it's like as my partner said it's incredibly noble the way you live your life and I suppose if more of us adopted even a fraction of your way of being you know the world could be a very different place today Um, so yeah so there'd be natural concern and I suppose you know all a parent wants for their kid is, is for them to be well and happy yeah yeah, yeah and your kid gives up money and gives up everything you're yeah. probably going to be concerned for a few months. Yeah, of course, of course. lost his mind. Like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> probably had lost his mind in some ways. <laughs> probably trying to find it somewhere in a field in Bristol. 
What was the what was the catalyst for it? I mean, what what was that? Was it a I'm just going to do this? Did you wake up one morning going I'm I'm doing this, or was it a slow burner? Um, it was actually provoked by a friend who I'd been I'd spent a few years kind of talking about the problem of money. It's kind of disconnecting, um, like it's inherent kind of disconnection from all other things. Um, I had a friend who was a bit of a kind of kind of provocateur, you know, in some ways, and he kind of goaded me one one day. You know, he's like, "Well, if you've got such a problem, I just give it up." Okay. And I was like, "Well, that's easier said than done." And he says, "Well, stop talking about it then." So um, I said, "That's a fair point." Yeah. Wow. And um, but thought about it for about a half an hour, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm doing just, this. Let's just do this." And I spent a few months kind of preparing for that. You know, just uh, but it, it, to be honest, it kind of, it kind of Things unfolded fairly quickly. You know, I didn't. I, I, the day that I decided to give up money, things just started to fall into place. You know, um, like I found uh, a free caravan the next day. I think the day after that, I found a place to put the caravan. Um, things just started to like. I think when you commit to something in life, um, the universe opens up. It kind of does. Yeah, you can imagine yeah. this kind of magical realm. It's very hard to kind of logic it. Yeah, it can yeah, be yeah. over logical sometimes, but mm. when you let go of the logic and you just go with the flow of whatever's happening in your life things start moving, you know. Okay. I, f- I find actually when I get too logical, my life doesn't work very well. Yeah. It's when I kind of let go of my plans and my expectations and just open up to, to life again. Yes. Then unexpected stuff happens. And, yeah. Um, so yeah, so everything kind of fell into place from that point and about two months later it started. What was meant to be a one-year experiment at the time. Turned into? Turned into three years. Yeah. Um, like actually at, at, at the end of the first year, my biggest worry was actually going back into normal life because I was so happy um, living without money. And yeah. le- let's let's just point out the obvious, I suppose. But if you're living without money, you're also living without all the things that, that are connected to money. Mm. So in terms of things like you had an iPod, your phone, any technology? Um, I didn't have any technology. No, I had access to a laptop for writing articles, that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, so I, at that point and I were you good at just using it for only the articles I was yeah yeah, yeah. okay like it's yeah because I was living kind of in a caravan at the time um, so I had to go somewhere basically to access it you know okay you can just do it in there like an internet cafe kind of a thing yeah it was a nearby place just a all right okay like a, somebody got to know um, nearby, yeah you know okay um, and you know just you're in a caravan so you don't have you don't have electricity mm. you don't have the stuff that normally we have in homes, like, you know, running water, mm. electricity, all that kind of stuff. At that time, like, this is... So a few years later, I gave up tech completely, so no electricity yeah. and stuff. But at this point, I had a solar... Like, a small solar panel that um, I basically powered an LED light in the caravan. Um, that was about it. I didn't have running water there. Um, I didn't have any of the mod cons that we think of, you know. Mm. Um it was kind of like the, the completely no electricity was a couple of years later. Yeah. Um, okay. So yeah, it was kind of step by step. But so yeah. bring us up to where, bring us up to where you are now. Then mm. in your life, it's 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 you know it's twenty twenty two. You've been on this path for many years now. So what is life like now? You don't live in England anymore. You're living in Galway. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, around two thousand twelve. I kind of very strange, and and to most listeners, uh, think it was quite ironic. What um, what happened was like so, in the middle of living without money, um, a literary agent got in touch with me and said, "Would you like to write a book about this?" 
I says like you know, I haven't written very much before, you know, apart from some articles, but like yeah, I should go for it. Um, so I wrote, I think I wrote the book in a couple of months, like and threw it out there and give it to her. And, um, next thing I hear, three years later, that's you know it's been translated twenty languages. It's like and uh, this was all going on in the background. You know, yeah. she was looking after it. So ironically, it was a pot of money at the end of it, and yes, I yeah. didn't know about you know. And when I came out of that experiment, she says, "What do you want to do with this?" Um, so I wanted to move back to Ireland, um, and I wanted to set up something that was kind of in keeping with with the project I was doing in England. So we bought this small holding, um, just kind of south of Lockray, um, and um, built a, what's now effectively a free hostel there. Mm. You know, so people, like every day, like it's, it's kind of a mad place really in some ways. You know, people rock up. Um, any hour of the day um, and some stay for a couple of nights some stay for a couple of weeks some people have stayed for six months you know if we if we get on we you know very few would let stay that long yeah um, and and um, as you said the beauty of it is it's it's free free yeah so that was the like at the start too there was there was a farmhouse there that I, I lived in and we used to let people stay in the farmhouse too for free like long term um, because it was people who wanted to live off the land but the, the kind of problem these days is because mortgages and rents are so high, like you can't really live off the land because you have to do four hours a week um, mm. to pay for the mortgage and the rent, you know. And I was in a lucky enough position to not have to do that. So I wanted to give an opportunity for people to to not have that pressure yeah, and just to experience what life is like um, living from what's around you. So if I was to turn up and say, I'd like to stay here for a few nights, what would I... Well, can you describe what the experience would be like for mm. me? Ah, you see, so you come in and um, I'd probably show you around a bit first and um, show you how things work. There's kind of a few odd odd things like a compost toilet you'd have to get used to. Compost? Toilet. Go on. So like instead of a flush, yeah, it's kind of like you know, like a normal toilet. It looks like a normal toilet in some ways only if it's a box, a wooden box, but it's got a toilet seat. Yeah. Um, And then you've got a, you'd have um sawdust in a bucket next to you and then you put the sawdust um, it sounds very primitive when you're describing it um, like this, but actually when you go there, it looks like a normal bathroom and stuff, you know, in many ways. And, and um, I'd love to hear about the the benefits of, of, of living this way, because, you know, I think whether we want to accept it or not, a lot of us, you know, some of us are head in the sand about it, but a lot of us are, are wakening up. Not necessarily that we're making enough active change in our own life about how we live our lives, but we, we know, we all, we're all most of us are in the know that the way the majority of us live our lives isn't good for the planet that we're living on. And, you know, we try and make small changes and that's what's important. We all need to make the small changes. But that's a radical change because the majority of us have your regular toilet, that you flush Mm. and you move on with your day. But what are the benefits of having the type of a toilet situation that you have? With that, for example, like, so, as you say, when you flush your toilet normally, it goes off somewhere. Most people don't really think about yeah because you you don't, we don't even have time to think anymore about where it goes and we don't know. want to we don't want to we don't want to think about it's it it's not pretty you know but if you actually think about it from a very ecological perspective it's not very wise to you know to pee and poo into your water supply and let it be flushed and like we've got a massive water problem in Ireland in terms of the quality of water like I go back home sometimes and I drink the water at home and I can I can already drink it like yeah um you know it's just all sorts of things in it like. And I think that's what we're doing. Like that's like we're like your body is sixty percent water, more or less, you know. 
um, and we're putting in what we're we're putting stuff into it that's full of chemicals, full of yeah, you know, it's being it's been cleaned out through stuff that's probably not not much greater than the stuff that we've put into it ourselves, you know. And, mm. and yeah, and it's like it kind of speaks a lot about how we live, you know, the way we treat our water. Um, so with the compost toilet, for example, um, when we when the when the compost toilet's full, we go out and we we integrate it into a composting system. Um, and then we leave that for a couple of years so that everything breaks down completely. Yeah. And then that soil, and then we put that on. Uh, like with with compost oil stuff, it's better to put around apple trees and stuff. But you can use it in your garden as well, you know. So I, you know, I mean, I, without I, maybe I need to have a TMI warning on on the podcast. But I'm just I'm just <laughs> I'm genuinely interested. Like, so when you go to the toilet we, again, uh, I'm air quotes every time. But normally we use toilet paper. Yeah. What are you using? Well, you can still use toilet like at our place because we get visitors um, coming. Like we don't, we're it's kind of like a halfway house okay. in terms of extremism, I suppose. Okay, I get um, you with the practicalities. Because if you came in and like you had a bucket of moss, for example, like which you <laughs> okay. can use, but like you is that what you use? <laughs> well, I've used it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> but um, I go through stages. I'm <laughs> uh, getting a bit softer these days. I oh, think. Stop. Um, right. But um. Yeah, like if if we're trying to be like, you know, accepting of some of the ways, uh, most people don't want to come and do that, you know. Most people want to come and have some kind of relative comfort. Yeah. So it's about kind of easing people in, you know. Yeah, and, okay. And um, so there's a few, like it's not it's not as like, it's one of our small holding, for example, there's at the centre of it is that kind of free hostel called, we call it the Happy Pig. Okay. Um, and then I live in a cabin, uh, which I built um, six years ago now. Um, just like 20 metres from it, you know, and the cabin is kind of the more extreme end of things, you know, like the cabin, I love the cabin that I live in, it's, you know, I built it the way I would want, uh, want it to be in terms of living, mm. um, but it's, you know, it's got no electricity, got no running water. Um, and that's the way you want it, that's the way you like it. Exactly, I designed it, like, I could have designed it for, it's not hard to put a toilet in or not hard to put in um, all the monocons, you know, that's... Um, Fairly simple stuff these days, but I I realised, for example, so when I moved there first. I lived in the farmhouse that is part of the small holding. Um, but I realised there was just hidden buttons. You know, I just I come down and press buttons, things would come on. Um, I wasn't going out at night. Uh, if I needed to pee in the middle of the night, I go to the toilet. Right. And I I realised after a year I hadn't seen the night sky for a while. You know, so now okay. I decided to not. I, I decided to design my cabin so that it would force me to go outside. Have a pee, and then you go out and you see the Milky Way, you know, mm. at three in the morning, like when you when you can't sleep for some reason, you know, and um, and that was important for me at that point. Yeah, um, I think I think our houses are designed these days. So we never have to leave them, and um, yeah, that's a very good point. You know, that kind of cuts us off, I think, a lot from the natural process of the things, you know, mm. um, which leads to many other problems, you know, from kind of mental health to kind of the kind of extreme disconnection from nature that we have today, you know. So, um, so I was trying to just design nature back in uh, to my life, uh, in a sense. Yeah, I don't know if I'd want to get up out of my warm bed, <laughs> leave the house at three in the morning. But I would imagine when you're standing there, and if you had a nice big dressing gown on or something warm on, and you're looking up, it would be, it would be lovely. Again, it, it, it's such a huge gear shift for the majority of us because I, I think 
I always think if I'm doing it, then the person listening is doing it as well. I'm imagining myself in that situation. Would I be brave enough? And, and I think you've already mentioned it. I think your way of life r- requires huge courage, first and foremost, and then massive discipline as well. But OK, so I'm, I'm, I've gotten the tour from you and I, I've seen the, the, uh, the sawdust compost loo. Um, is electricity there? No. In the in the free hostel, there is like there is very very okay. basic. It's just basically powers lights. Ah, uh, okay. Um, because I, I built. So you don't have Netflix in every room, like. Nah, there's no screens. Yeah. there's nothing like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's um, I built the Happy Pig, the hostel place before um, I decided to give up tech fully myself. So it was kind of des- it was kind of designed slightly differently. Okay. Um. It was, I think it was the year after that I decided, I think it was chatting to a friend of mine, he's a, he's a writer as well, and we were sitting in I think some pub down in, in the sticks, um, and we were both just giving out about social media, we were both on social media at the time, you know, and yeah. you know, selling our wares and that kind of stuff, you know, and, um, and we were both just talking about how it was like, so like, you know, in terms of like what goes on in Silicon Valley and the way it's kind of dictating things to the whole world now, you know, and we were both just saying like, what, what are we doing this for, you know? And um, and we both decided that day after a couple of pints uh, to uh, completely pack the whole thing in. Yeah. So I basically got up the next day and just closed down all my kind of um, social media accounts, closed down the website, um, and decided to build a cabin um, that would be electricity free and stuff. And so it's a fairly quick decision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a few pints help sometimes. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Dutch courage, you know, when you haven't yeah, got yeah, yourself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And so, yeah, so the, the cabin came slightly after. So the kind of, the other place had a bit of electricity designed in at that point. Um, and, I, and to be honest, in some ways, again, it's a good halfway house. You know, it's it's mm. quite extreme. Like when people come there, we ask them to turn off their phones um, because it's kind of like, I think there has to be somewhere in the world that yeah. that is. And you're creating probably almost like a people who arrive, they're almost like maybe going on a retreat. You know, like when you yeah. feel, have that sense of, Unplugging from the rest of the world, I would imagine. Yeah, like I've I've heard the phrase like we don't call it this, but I've heard the phrase digital detox. You know, and yeah, yeah, it's kind of like that. It's kind of like you come there and um, we just ask you, you know, turn off the phone. Has anyone refused? No, well, if they refuse, should we tell them that there's a the Airbnb up the road if you want? Yeah, to? yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and 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 because it's it's free, like that's it's it's really it's a beautiful thing to do. It's very kind, but. You know, would there be a fear that somebody may exploit that? And as you said, maybe want to stay the six months. Would you not be like, um, yeah, you know, I mean, we did say it was free, but like, come on, <laughs> stop playing the bits. I, I, I like, I was quite soft when I first moved there. Like, it was right. kind of, you know, and um, I learned a lot in the first two years. Okay. I've like, do you have to pull your way when you're there? If it's free, is mm. there a certain amount of, if you're going to be here, you got to get muck in? No, we're actually quite explicit about that. You don't have to, there's no expectation wow. to do anything. It's just a, it's just a bed for the night. Um, like some cool. people come there and do want to muck in because that's exactly why they've come there because right, they want to yeah. learn how to grow food or they want to... Maybe take a little bit of this into their own lives. Exactly, yeah. 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 So they come there to kind of learn a bit as well, you know, and um, and if they do want it then and we're doing stuff on any given day then they're they're very welcome to join in. So if people are listening going, how do I find the place? Where is it? Uh, you have to go knocking a few doors around our place, you know. So it's people. you don't really. It's not like you're going to have give me an address now and an well, air code that well, I can that I can I <laughs> that I can I mention. Give you the air code anyway, but <laughs> near, I suppose the place is called Knockmoyle. It's kind of like that's so. If you're meant to be there, you'll find it. Aye, the, 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 the local village is called Kalbrack. 
It's near like, Loch Yeah, most I think most people go away. Find it on the internet. The, okay. Like we've kept it off the internet. Um, because that's what you're all about. You're about living off the grid, off exactly the normal confines of but, modern living. But I've heard from the local shop that like regularly people are coming in asking for directions down to our okay. place. And so yeah. So if you get, if you if you knock into one of the local shops down there, uh, one of them will send you up in the right direction. You know? okay. But a few people have to knock on a few doors and go up the wrong boring a few times. You know. Yeah. And um, but I think that's part of the. I think I think there's a problem today in the kind of. In 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 sense of the adventure of life, you know, we we know where we're going before we go there anymore. You know, we're not very good at just kind of going with the flow and rocking up somewhere and following our noses. You know, we kind of want to know. We're on Google Maps before, yeah, six hours beforehand. You know, we've got photographs of what the place looks like and stuff, and um, we're trying to advocate like just actually go on out there, and you know, you wouldn't know what would happen. You could knock on a door and somebody invite you for a cup of tea and. You know, let's kind of get back to kind of just having a bit of adventure. You know, like yeah. I, I remember traveling twenty years ago, and she, you, know, you didn't know where you were going before you went there. You know, before we had all the stuff that we have now. You know, and so I was part. Of, I was half the crack, like yeah, you know, yeah. And you'd you'd end up somewhere you were never expecting, and you know, you might meet someone for a night, and yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And now we don't do that anymore. 
living the way you live without all the distractions that you would have had before? Yeah, like 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 it's all like go through. I have my moments, you know, where you're like, you know, the goal is to be present all of the time, you know. Sometimes when life gets, you know, I have busy periods in life too, you know, and I find myself slightly less grounded when I'm really busy. Mm. Um, and but like I, I think by and large, uh, like my life now is much different in that sense than when I was, you know, when I was working in organic food. Um, I was working like sixty, seven hours a week, you know, and you haven't got the time to be that present, you know. Yeah. Um, because you know, it's and you're 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 taking a couple of hundred phone calls maybe a day, you know, in terms of sorting out stuff and um, and now my life has got much slower pace. You know, I still have plenty of things um to do but it's there's a much more kind of meditative feeling about life you know yeah like um like i've never been a great meditator myself in terms of sitting there cross-legged and uh, i think there's many benefits to that but I've, i mm. do find um when you're working with your hands and working with the land you can kind of get into like a practical meditative yes zone, sure you know and you're and you're very aware of what's around you know you, you become very aware of the landscape and um we even have a little robin at the minute who you know, who follows me around everywhere, you know, and, and he's, he's he's almost like a pet at this stage, you know, but like, yeah, you, you start to develop all these different relationships um, with, with the, you get to know the wildlife even. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I wouldn't have been in that headspace um, 15 years ago, you know, um, you wouldn't, you just don't have the time like in modern life to, to be acting slow enough to have that kind of groundedness. Yeah. It's required for presence. I think presence is one thing, like yeah. that sense of presence. You know, when we're like a lot of in a, in a lot of the moments in our day, we're not actually present with the people we're even with. You know, mm. like we're, we've lost our listening. Even you know, we kind of we're before we've even they've even stopped talking, we're already kind of responding in our heads. You know, yeah, and we don't take time just to s- slow down and uh, and really hear them. You know, hear yeah. where they're coming from, not just their words, but like where they're coming from emotionally um and you know and the other stuff going on in life you know yeah like what's going on for them and and so like yeah we're talking about changing the world and fighting climate change and stuff at the minute but we can't even you know we're we're so far away from even like taking time to just be you know be mm. present mm. i think that's the start of any bigger change you know just start to become more aware of things yeah um yeah does it frustrate you how the majority of us live? Uh, not at all, no. It, like, I, when I was maybe back in my kind of mid-20s, when I was kind of, I was kind of, I was, kind of, I was quite radical at the time in terms of, I suppose, my days and stuff, you know, um, or kind of maybe quite extreme. Um, and yeah, so, like, I, I, you go through phases, I think, in life, you know, and at that point, it was, I was quite like, it was an angry element, you know, mm. like I was pissed off that, like I, I, I always kind of felt a connection to the natural world, you know, um, even growing up, um, had a wee bit of that in me, um, and I looked around, the more I became aware of things, like, you know, everything from like how we treat animals and um, how we treat wildlife and uh, the ecological landscape, um, like the things that the industrial society is doing to that, I found quite sad at the time, you know. And mm. it was just getting worse and worse as I could see it, you know. That was the kind of the main driving force originally in terms of giving up money and giving up tech. It was just the ecological perspective, you know, like we're destroying everything for what, like, you know, for more and more stuff. 
that isn't even making us happy anyway. It's just distracting us more from reality. Yeah. Um, and so, I, yeah, I was, I spent a few years quite, uh, yeah, quite pissed off about all that, you know. And but where are you at now? Like, what? Do, if you don't mind me asking, yeah. what age are you now? I'm 43 now. You're same yeah. age as me. So at this stage of your life, you know, you've, you know, we've lived a few years. We've learned mm. a few bits about ourselves. Um, and you've, it sounds like you've, 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 you, you don't hold on to that anger anymore. You're chill. Mm. But um, where are you at now? I feel like actually probably the best place I've been for 10 years, I'd say. Really? Yeah, I went through a few years there, maybe like two years ago, or last two years, up until maybe six months ago, feeling quite cynical about the world, you know. Um, like, I remember Jonathan France in the novelist kind of wrote an essay one time about being pummeled into cynicism, you know, by kind of commercialism and marketing. Like, I studied marketing as well, um, and just, like, I understand how marketing works. And, and the more you understand it, the worse it gets. You know, it's it's very psychological, mm. um, very detrimental, I think, to people's sense of self-esteem um, and so on. Um, How we're being manipulated. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I'm, I'm being made to feel inferior. Yeah. Because when you make somebody feel like they're lacking something, then you can sell them something. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you feel like whole and complete, um, you don't need for anything. You don't need much. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. You still need food and stuff and you still need some things, but like you're happy with yourself. Yeah, you don't need to buy a certain service no. or a product, yeah. So it's actually actively making us unhappy so that we have to buy something to become happy. Mm. You know, that's how it kinda works, you know. But so I got I got quite cynical about all this for a few years, you know, and I just was kind of almost kind of on the misanthropic side of things, you know. Mm. Um I had a really great conversation with a friend about six months, nine months ago. Um, about values and how we live our lives and stuff and, and she was just saying like she lives her life um, by the value of beauty and it made me think I was like well that's a quite a subjective thing you know how can you live your life by beauty but I, I thought like what if you woke up in the morning every day and said like I'm going to engage with every moment I can right now in the most beautiful way I can mm. um, and that's not always pretty stuff that's sometimes a really hard word with somebody who needs a hard word you know yeah, yeah. Like it, if somebody's uh, on the downhill slope, you know, and they need so- a truth to be told to them. That can be the most beautiful thing you can do for that person to be brave enough to say the hard thing, if that's what you discern the need yes, at yeah. that moment. Yeah. But it can also be like an act of kindness. It can be something really loving. It could be anything. But to, to ground yourself first, and then kind of go like, what does this moment right now need? Mm. Uh, and if you're operating from simply from a place of of love as you said be it you know that difficult word to someone mm. but it comes from a good place and the intention is pure it can only be a good thing yeah yeah and to live in that spirit so like I was like the world's doing what the world's doing anyway it doesn't really matter if I get cynical or not cynical like or whether mm. I get worked up about it it's like all I can all I've got agency in is myself like I can't I can't change how anybody else behaves I don't even necessarily want to um, what I can do is just live life as a as I feel I want it myself. But initially, when I was reading about you, I was kind of thinking, God, is this a lonely existence, as it were, because it's it's really noble what you're doing. But then, obviously, we know that you don't live a lonely existence because you live in community all the time. You're with people, you're connected to people all the time. Um, and then the, the, the positive of that is the fact that you are potentially educating and sowing the seed of change with people who come and stay in the hostel. So that's your... You're leaving something behind, you know, you're 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 allowing and obviously with the books you've written, the people who pick them up and read them and learn something from them and, and apply that to their lives. You you are you're one man, but you are making a difference. Um, I do want to talk about the fact that on a personal level, you made a massive decision 
and I know you've spoken about this so it's not like it's 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 not something I, I can't ask I, I would imagine but you made a really massive decision in your life to have a vasectomy at the age of 30 yeah, yeah, yeah. that's big <laughs> yeah because yeah, I actually went to a doctor at the time uh, to like and, and apparently you're not even meant to get like he he wouldn't give he wouldn't sanction it effectively first because I was single at um I wasn't I didn't have kids and they said like it's almost guaranteed you're going to change your mind you know so we don't give them to people who are single and 30 um but I wrote him a letter and went back the next day and said here's why and he was like okay we'll give you yeah one. okay he probably thought you're better off the world's better off if you don't have kids maybe he thought no <laughs> I'm sure that's not the case but in your letter I'm, I'm sure it was you were speaking very passionately about all the reasons why you didn't want to have kids yeah I, I, like I've changed like I've like as I say, I've softened over the years. You know, at the, at that time, I was at a stage where I've seen like massive overpopulation in the world. There still is massive overpopulation, but I don't really think in those terms anymore. You know, in terms of my reasons for doing things. Um, but yeah, and I I was looking at the way the world was going too. You know, and I was like, you know, I don't know if this is a world in which I could bring up kids in the way I would want to bring them up. You know, um, like I see like. I I was I done an interview a few years ago where this came up and um with Tommy uh, Tommy Tiernan and, and we were just talking he, he's got a spate of them I think he's got six or something yeah yeah and um and yeah like I see it as a very beautiful thing like I would l- like in some ways I would love to have kids if the world was in the way that I would want to bring up kids in you know but a vasectomy can be reversible <laughs> yeah I actually got a letter one time from a from a woman who actually asked me if it if it if it, she wanted she 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 basically wrote to me and asked me if if I would give her a baby. <laughs> so I wrote back and said, like, I don't even know you, but but um, you know, I've had a vasectomy. Yeah. And she asked me if I would get a reverse. <laughs> and I was like, Wow. I was like, We've not even met. I don't even know who you are. <laughs> so um, I'm not contemplating getting a reverse, to be honest, at this stage. You're not. Okay. Nah. Uh, like I'm still like yeah, I'm still kind of happy with the decision. Has that created issues? Yeah, it has. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I broke up. Like I'm single at the moment, and for the first time in a long time, um, which has been very good for me because I, I w- went from one relationship to the next for a while there, you know. Um, okay. And but yeah, like probably like the love of my life, ended up wanting kids, um, and so yeah, that that's tough. Yeah, that was hard, man. I was like, a, you know, I kind of felt uh, that was kind of a, a tough few months, you know. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. And is that still tough? Um. I suppose of yeah, not anymore now. I'm like it's like with time that kind of eases, you know, like all these things do, you know. Um, so like at the, at the time I was kind of broken hearted for the first time in my life, you know. I'd never been, I never experienced a broken heart before. Um, and I was quite gutted with that. It's uh, actually good to feel it, you know, because you know, well, I suppose you kind of feel more alive as well, you know, mm. after it, and when you when you get when you recover from it, like you kind of have a greater appreciation for for what you know when you do find these things again you know um so it was good for me in some ways but uh tough at the time yeah but like you you didn't say you know relationship i was in or girlfriend you used the term the love of my life yeah you know and that's uh it's powerful and uh, it's a beautiful term but it's yeah. it is powerful because you you are effectively saying you know this this person was was the one as it were um would that not have been enough of a of a reason to perhaps rethink <laughs> your life um, choice 
Yeah, I I don't think it would have worked if I had. Like, okay. I think, okay. Um, I think you. I think I would become somebody different. And yeah, okay. I think I think it is important to treat yourself as well. Like yeah. I think you, like relationships are all about compromise. You know, um, I probably haven't been like. It's only in the last couple of years of worked through a lot of this stuff and realized I need to be a lot more compromising in my life. Um, because the way you live, it, it is it is it is hardcore. Mm. It's hardcore. Hardcore, yeah, yeah. Especially to live in the cabin, not in the like. I'm sure if you wanted to share your life with someone, you'd want them to live with you in your cabin rather than living in the hostel. Yeah, not in the hostel anyway, because that'd be a bit that'd be a bit too much for anyone. Yeah, to, yeah. To, um, but like we have a farmhouse there, you know, and it's conceivable that you know somebody, if it was with somebody, did live in the farmhouse, you know, if that transpired and. Um, and we, you know, you could spend five nights a week together <laughs> too, you know, maybe, <laughs> like, yeah. depends how well you're getting on, I suppose, but yeah. uh, there's all sorts of ways in which, like, I, 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 I now under, understand how that could work. Yeah. Um, because I think some of the ways we live today, it's not even, it's not even, it's, it's quite hard sometimes, you know, when you're plonked in together, you know, if you're, if you're in a, like a, you know, one bedroom place in Dublin or something, you know, and in COVID, for example, you know, when you're seeing each other 24-7 and stuff, you know, I think it's good to have a little bit of space um, sometimes just to be yourself. You know? Yeah. And I would imagine during COVID, you know, there's all this chaos happening in the world and, mm-hmm. you know, fear is at a high. Um, but you're still trucking along, living your life. Um, you're aware of COVID, you're aware of all the stuff mm-hmm. happening. Yeah. But like you're kind of separate from it too, I would imagine. I Yeah, like probably... As far as you could be separate from COVID, I was separate from it. You know, we, um, yeah, like we kind of, there's six of us living there now, like you know, in kind of um, full time, you know. Um, but we were just like, let's just not talk about it too much, you know, because it can't be good for the head to be thinking about. It. Like we're we're aware of it, and you and you respect people's what people want to do in terms of you know when you're out and about. Yeah. Um. So it's not about disrespecting other people's choices, but but like when we're back in the house or back in the cabin we just don't didn't talk about it because you know if you're sure tri- i like up to mom and dad and you'd, you'd hear the news you know and it's all these big numbers and red alerts and stuff and mm. she'd be dri- driven mad by it like you know mm. um and it doesn't change the fact like it's just doesn't change the virus itself you know it's just it changes your headspace around the virus you know and um so we yeah. decided to like other stuff like brexit and stuff you know you're aware of it but like I don't think the world needs me tweeting about Brexit, you know. Like it's, yeah. you know, we spend, you know, because I, I had some friends and they were like saying it's kind of irresponsible not to keep up to date with these things, you know. And I was like, well, what? Like, you know, I have a neighbour on the road, for example, who needs help with stuff, right? So I could be on Twitter tweeting about stuff um, that I have no agency in, or I could just go down and give a neighbour a hand for half an hour, mm-hmm. bring in turf or something, you know, like, you know. Like it's just we've kind of lost all kind of connection with the immediate world around us, mm-hmm. and we're getting so caught up in the kind of global affairs that, like, sure, Theresa May at the time didn't know what to do about Brexit, you know. So, like, what difference does it matter if if I get involved in the discussion or not, you know? Yeah, you know, doing stuff that actually matters, which is you know being being a good neighbour, I suppose. Something you can do something yeah, about, something you know. Yeah. So when you started living life without money, it was back in. Again, a fear-filled time in the world when, you know, financially people are under huge strain. It was a crash back in 2008, 2009, that time. And now here we are, cost of living is through the roof. Um, you know, 
people are struggling. Yes, you know, the, the budget recently from the government, there are, thankfully, um, you know, there is a bit of a reprieve for people. There's a little bit of, mm. of a help there, which which is certainly, certainly going to help. Um, but I have heard people talk about the cycles in which we live in the world, you know. But I've heard that, you know, within the way we live our lives that it just go in cycles periods of 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 abundance i suppose um then there can be a period of 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 kind of chaos and instability and then that we go back to basics to a very simple time where i mean so the way you're living is 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 where we need to be being self-sufficient and that kind of is a buzzword you know people like to say they're self-sufficient but are are they truly self-sufficient yeah. i mean you're living breathing walking it um living living off the land and and being very mindful of what we're doing that the world goes in cycles Naomi Klein who I don't know if you know she's probably one of the few really good journalists around these days you know in terms of proper investigative stuff um, she wrote a book called The Shock Doctrine uh, years ago and it's kind of about yeah I know, you know it. yeah about kind of crisis capitalism and stuff and yeah like a lot of money has been made from you know you when things collapse like people who know what's you know people at the very top level um, know when they get in, when they get out, and uh, when things collapse, you can make a lot of money. Um, in the in the kind of post uh, collapse period, you know, yeah, both in terms of the politics of that and in terms of just the stock market and things, you know, prices go back up and you make a fortune again, you know. Um, so like, that's the kind of cynical. That's like it's not even cynical. That's just like that's just the way things work, you know. Mm, mm. Like for people to make a lot of money, there has to be a cycle. If things just went smoothly the whole time, then there's only so much money you make. Like we used to talk about, like the kind of rich in terms of the you know the top ten percent. Now it's it went to the one percent at one point, and now it's more like the not point one percent. You know, yeah. like more and more of the world's wealth is in fewer hands. I think like I think something like half the world's wealth, something you can you can put them in a bus basically. The people who own it, like it's something like um, yeah, eighty people or something own like almost half the world's wealth. You know. Which is crazy, crazy, yeah. and that's just because of the mechanics of capitalism. That's just getting worse and worse, you know. Um, and you know, half the world starving at the same time, you know. Um, and it's like if you actually sniff it, that's quite sad, you know. Of course like, it is, yeah. Um, but we also kind of design our lives to not sniff it. You know, we keep busy, so we don't really have to think of the consequences of our lives. You know, like as as a culture, I don't mean individual lives. Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. How we live. Um, so yeah, like one, I think one of the benefits of slowing down is to kind of connect with that, you know, and kind of go like, do you want to be part of that, or do you want to, mm. um, do you want to kind of remove yourself from, from those kind of structures and uh, and take a bit of control back? I would imagine take a bit of control back, yeah, of your yeah, own life, of your own life, you know, because like I currently don't have a single bill to my name, for example, you know, so like that's the cost, pretty epic. The co- the I don't that. <laughs> no bills coming through the door class <laughs> so like the cost of living doesn't really like I don't you know it's like I feel for I feel for everyone yeah because yeah, I I've know. been there myself but I think the more you can minimise your bills mm. um, the more you can kind of reduce you can see that as a sacrifice in some ways because you think you're losing something but actually my experience of it is and I've had a lot of experience doing you know normal life and mm. different life yeah is that it's again like it's your life is better because of it so we need to stop seeing these things. We, we need to stop seeing giving up as a sacrifice and start focusing on what we actually gain when we give up some things. So when you cut down on all the 
um, like all all the unnecessary stuff. Yeah. Um, for example, like like I wake up in the morning nowadays and my day is my own. Like I can do pretty much as I please. You know, like I'm writing a novel at the moment. You know, it may never get published. Who knows? But like and a fiction. Fiction, yeah. Well, good uh, on you. For the first time, and it's you know, yeah. it's already been three years. Like and like I probably, and I think most writers would say this. Like it's very difficult now to have the time to really focus on that. Yeah. Um, if you've got if you've got like a lot of expenses coming out because mm. kind of uh, the book world's been altered by you know some of the big guys you know um it's getting harder and harder to make a living um just from writing yeah um but because of because of no bills i can actually devote all your time i can give, do what mm. i want to do in the day yeah you know? yeah, yeah so like i'd recommend it just in sense of a free sense of freedom alone you know to just free yourself from all the bills and and wake up in the morning do as you please yeah. Easier said than done, obviously. Yeah, of course, because <laughs> it, it sounds really idealistic. We're living in rented accommodation at the moment and, and the, the, f- the fuse went last night, so we had no electricity. And even this morning, trying to get our kids up and fed. Now, lucky we have gas, so we were able to heat the milk for the, for the ready break this morning yeah, for the kids. But, you know, you realise simple things like, you know, just to get them ready and out the door um, was, was a challenge without electricity just for a short time but living without it completely is a different animal ah but you get that's the thing I suppose I'm used to it now and I wouldn't even notice it you know yeah. where like I think it's a good point because I think we're we're at a time where there's a huge energy crisis you know mm-hmm. um, like they're talking about um, like blackouts and stuff this winter I don't know how true that is or not Um, mm. I don't really follow it but um, and then with, with kind of situation in Ukraine and kind of global politics yeah um, gas may not be like in ten years' time may not be as, uh, as affordable or even available as it is now. Yeah, I think if we were being smart, like genuinely smart, I don't mean smartphone smart. I mean like actually thinking wisely. I think we would start redesigning our lives um, to be more resilient mm. um, against those kind of shocks, um, because we could wake up in a very different world at some point in the future and not be prepared for it. Um, yeah. Still expecting the electricity to come through, still expecting the gas to be down at the shop, you know, um, when it may not be. Um, and if it's not, what do you do? You know, at that point, it doesn't matter how much money We go down to Lachray is what we do. <laughs> <laughs> we try to find your gas and we all just... <laughs> I'll be hiding somewhere. <laughs> we try and move in. <laughs> we go, is going to sort us out. Um... Yeah, like I mean, we don't often think that way, but it's it's good to it's good to give yourself time to think that way. And maybe if it does actively push you towards making some changes, that will be ultimately ultimately good as as a collective as well. I suppose the the point is we all know that the the planet is is not doing well. We all know that. We know we we hear about it all the time. But is is change happening? And a quick enough, it isn't. We know it isn't. Mm. You know, um, where where do you see yourself? I'm just trying to think now of your your content. You're in your forty third year of life, but say five ten years down the road, where do you see yourself being? Yeah, I, I what do you think actually, your life will be? I haven't actually thought that far ahead, to be honest. Yeah, mm. I kind of, I'm trying these days, you know, to be living in the now. In the now. That's kind of one of my goals, you know, and to see what emerges in my life. Yeah. You know, I might meet somebody tomorrow and sure who knows where I'd end up, you know, or what yeah. li- where life would take me. 
Um, so You're open to it. I'm open to anything yeah. really, you know, and as long as it's good, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, like I'm kind of actively not looking too far ahead. Um, what would your message be to people listening from what you've learned? Like, what would you say? What would you like people to kind of take from this conversation? Like, like I think the thing I normally say to people is follow your heart in life, you know, like sometimes I think people think that I'm, when I speak with these things, I'm saying like, you should live like I'm living. Like, I don't see that at all, you know, like this works for me. Yeah. Um, I, what I would say is like, follow your heart. Don't live life in fear of, you know, of some, some of the things we're afraid of, you know, um, to like listen to yourself first um, see what it is that works for you in life um, and then just go for it. Like, don't, life is short, you know, mm. and, and very, very precious. You know, we spend far too much of our time doing stuff that we don't enjoy, um, stuff that doesn't give us meaning. Um, yes. I would say try to find things that give you meaning in life um, and spend more time with them. Um, it could be your it could be your kids, it could be family. Um, it could be something you really love doing but isn't the most lucrative thing you could do. Um, don't worry about that. Like, I... You know, 15 years ago, I decided to give up money. I had no idea where that would lead. Um, and you know, before you know it, you've, you know, you've, you're, you've got a book in 20 countries, and I, w- I would never expect that starting off, for example. You know, yeah. but it was because I followed my heart. Um, and things just went from there. You know, and now I'm in a place where I'm really, really happy in life. Um, and um, I think you just got to trust that if you follow that instinct, um, and not worry about all the other stuff that you could worry about then you get to the place where you need to go as opposed to the place where you think you're meant to go. Um, so I'd say that, like, it's not, like, I think from a, you know, from an ecological and from a kind of even um, a wise perspective, I'd say you'd be wise to make a few small steps in the direction of um, kind of diversifying your own economy, you know, so learning, you know, even if you just went down and done a foraging course, you know, for learn a bit about wild food. Yeah. Um. If you're into fishing, kind of take a bit, bit of fishing or something, you know. Um, learn how to kind of eat from the landscape around you mm. a bit more. So mm. if things do go wrong in the wider economy, at least you know what to do. Um, but it, like, if that's not calling to you, then just do what it is you're called to do. I think we all have a different role in the world. You know, we're all we've all been born in here for whatever reason. You know. Yeah. I think when you trust yourself and you trust your heart um, and follow that, then you get to the place where you need to go. So I'd say that, just, you know, it's not much more complicated, just mm. keep listening to yourself, um, asking yourself what you want and what you don't want, and then be brave enough to do it. Mark, thanks a million. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. That has been uh, wonderful. You can read all about Mark's life in the slow lane in his latest book, The Way Home, Tales from a Life Without Technology. And if you like this conversation, you might enjoy the episodes I recorded with Tommy Tiernan and Brother Richard. You've been listening to Ready To Be Real. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.